Sweet Wrestling Podcast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you heard that intro right. It is Friday, January 5th, and this is episode one of the Toots Wrestling Podcast. I have legitimate reasons why I'm worried about the Women's Royal Rumble, the SmackDown title situation, why Brock and Roman Reigns is killing the WWE roster, why you should give New Japan Pro Wrestling a chance, some thoughts on Impact Wrestling last night, and of course... I'm going to talk about the Kenny Omega Jericho Instant Classic match. And I'm also going to talk about Jericho attacking NATO as well. Now I'm going to get into a couple of particulars. I'm coming to you from the Anchor app. It's very easy to get. You can get it from the Google Play Store, from the Apple Play Store. You get it. You sign up for it in a few steps. And then you type in two space and then sweet. And I will pop right up and you'll be able to find me. If you want to find me on the internet... I'm on the anchor.fm slash too sweet. No spaces there, just two and then sweet. Also, this is coming to you live from YouTube as well. You can check out my channel. I do wrestling, lots of wrestling on that channel, plus a whole lot more. Check it out at OMG Corey B. So, I like the Anchor app. In particular, I suggest you get the Anchor app because they have a cool call-in feature. And you, have, you can call into my podcast. And you have up to a minute. And you can give me any wrestling thoughts that you have. If you have wrestling thoughts on my podcast, any wrestling thoughts, anything, you can call in. And on the next episode of this podcast, if I get any call-ins, I will feature them on the opening of the podcast. Whatever you have, you can leave your name. If one minute is not enough, just keep going. Call in again for another minute, and I will feature it on the podcast. If you have any Twitter questions as well, call in. Is it your thing? Just shoot me Twitter questions as well if you want them on the podcast. Uh, my Twitter is at 2 Pod, and also my personal Twitter is at OMGCoreyB. We'll see. If I can get on, well, we definitely will be on more platforms in the future. As it pertains to Anchor, you can hit that favorite button and you'll be notified of every video that I make. You hit that star and once I make a video, it'll just pop up. Also, you can hit the clap button as well. It's just giving me a clap. That's it. And look, that's it for the particulars. I know what you came for. You didn't come for particulars. You came for the wrestling. So with that being said... We're going to start with the big one. Jericho versus Omega. Man, what a match. I stood up and I clapped after the match was over. You, you just that can't get me to do that in this, this day and age in wrestling. I don't normally do that, but it was just, just that good of a match, that good of a story. So we start at the beginning, and the video package, I got to say, was great. It was phenomenal. And New Japan doesn't do a video package for every single match. They just do it for the big matches, and I... Just adore that. That is just, just phenomenal. That's the way it should be. The entrances was, were great. I wanted to see what Jericho was going to come out to. I think it's a song by Fozzy. I really liked it. But as only Jericho can do, great entrances, great intro music. We got the match started really fast. They didn't start with the traditional go with the match slowed and build it up. Like we, we got it right out of the gate. And I like that. Had a top rope plunge through the table. Kenny Omega... And look, I was worried when it came to that top rope, top rope plancher. When you go over that guardrail, look, it becomes anybody's game. It becomes very unsafe. But Jericho ducks out of the way. Kenny Omega goes through the table. 
great spot, phenomenal spot, get the crowd going. And Jericho, it was one thing I didn't quite understand. Jericho went for the walls of Jericho, and he had on Kenny Omega on the outside, and the referee tried to break the hold, and I'm thinking, well, it's a no DQ. Jericho has the right to break his back if he wanted to. So that was one thing I didn't get for the match. I thought it was pretty funny, though, that Jericho attacked the ref and didn't beat up his son as well. Jericho is just a phenomenal heel, I got to say. Then we got to a point where... We saw it all in this match. Chris Jericho pulled out a table, and I gotta admit, when I saw that table, it looked like one of those heavy duty, heavy duty tables. One of those tables that you gotta pack in for when you go into one of these events or functions that just wears you out. And I was thinking, well, I hope they don't plan on doing those spots through that. Somebody's gonna get hurt. But as as you would see, the table was just fine. We had a spray paint reversal by Omega. That was pretty funny. Uh, Omega bled in this match. You see, this is why you can't outlaw bleeding in wrestling fully. You just can't outlaw it because it brings out a certain emotion in people. And you gotta gotta have it every once in a while. It can't be every match, just every once in a while. If it's done like that, then it's very much more meaningful. And we had a broken chair spot in this match. And, I mean... When, when looking at that, that chair, they, they have some different, it's just different in New Japan. The tables don't look the same. The chairs don't look the same. And it, it actually looks like a real chair that he's hitting somebody with. And it just exploded, which was pretty funny. As the match picked up, Omega hit Jericho with some vicious knees. And I just like Kenny Omega's offense. This is why this guy... Is amongst the best wrestlers in the world. His offense is so crisp. I really like it. Those knees look vicious. Vicious, I tell you. So, Jericho, towards the end of the match, Jericho reversed into the walls of Jericho. Kenny Omega was going for the one-winged angel. And it was a smooth reversal by Jericho. Rolling reversal into the walls of Jericho. I really like that. They played that up really well. Uh, Kenny Omega got to the ropes. And... For the end of the match, Kenny Omega hit the one-winged angel through a chair, and that was your one, two, three. And at that point, I stood up, I clapped, and you know, when you see a fantastic match, you know when you see a, a match of the year candidate. And like, just like Undertaker and Shawn Michaels that year, WrestleMania 25, you knew that was a match of the year, Kenny. You knew that was the match of the year so far. I watched Jericho versus Omega and I said, okay, this is the match of the year. This is the match of the year. It's hard to top that. They had good wrestling. They had great storytelling. They had the blood of Kenny Omega, which brings out an emotion in you. And you had the fantastic... Heel work of Chris Jericho, unhinged. Chris Jericho was a great heel in WWE, but it's a certain kind of good when he's in New Japan and he doesn't have any kind of script. He's not hindered by anybody. He's just being himself, unhindered by any words. So this is a fantastic matchup. I had so much fun watching it. And the New Japan pay-per-view overall, overall, I had fun watching it. So next up... As I can shift here. But uh, well, before I shift, I would like to talk about it. I'm, I'm waking up today and I see that Chris Jericho had an attack on NATO. And I went to watch it. 
And look, it's Jericho versus NATO now. And this could go down at any moment. Jericho always looking for a big match, a good match. And he's looking like we're going to get a get another win. And I'm very much interested in that. So now we can move on. And move on to some depressing things. <laughs> the SmackDown title world situation. <sighs> look, I made a YouTube video on why the Universal Championship build was the worst in recent Royal Rumble history. I was sure of that. And then SmackDown came on Tuesday night and they just said, hold my beer. So we started the show with AJ Styles, that's well enough, but here comes the authority figures. Daniel Bryan, Shane McMahon. And in this storyline, it's all about the authority figures. Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon is bickering back and forth, and AJ Styles is just standing in the ring doing nothing. And at that point, I tweeted, why is AJ Styles even standing in the ring? Why is the best wrestler in the world? Well, that's, the, that's, that's debatable. If you ask certain people, why is the best wrestler in the world just standing in the ring doing nothing? Why is he, why is he even there? So it, that annoys me. Look, this whole Kevin Owens, Shane McMahon thing has been going since September, if I'm not mistaken. So here we are in January, going into the end of January, and this stuff is still going on. It should have ended at Survivor Series. But towards at the end of the show, authority figure costs AJ Styles a match again, Daniel Bryan this time. And AJ Styles fed up, had... Has had enough, says, you know what, just give me those guys in the match. And I thought, well, okay, that'll work. Initially, I thought it would be AJ Styles versus KO. But then, you know, we got the shock of all shocks. Daniel Bryan grabs the mic and he says, okay, let's do that. AJ Styles. Versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in a handicap match for the world title. And then he starts yesing. He has the nerve to start yesing after that. What are we doing here? AJ Styles is just being ruined in this feud. He's going to be okay. Obviously, he's AJ Styles. But he's being ruined in this feud. Originally, when AJ Styles said, give me both of them, I was thinking, okay, a triple threat match. Because in a triple threat match, okay, Kevin Owens and Zayn is going to work together. But eventually, you know, those allegiances always fall apart because you're trying to win the title. And you're going to fight your friend over the title. So I thought that was cool. And then they said a handicap match. And I was like, what? What is this? What is this? This is annoying is what it is. And this whole storyline, look. If this isn't leading to Shane versus Bryan at WrestleMania, then what are we doing here? What are we doing here with Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan bickering? If they don't clear Daniel Bryan for WrestleMania, then get out of here. Get out of here. Nothing else makes sense. Just, just get out of here, WWE. Nothing else makes sense. What are we doing? They couldn't come up with a better match. All they had to do, they set the wheels in motion for it to be Kevin Owens versus AJ Styles, and they could have just banned Sami Zayn from ringside, and that would have been that. That could have been a phenomenal match at the Royal Rumble. Would have been a great match. 
But instead, this is what we get. I'm upset with it, but hey, you're a wrestling fan. You just got to live with what they give you. But it doesn't give doesn't mean that you don't have the right to complain about it. So moving on, we're going to talk about the women's Royal Rumble match. Look, I I think I was one of the ones that said, okay, this is a good idea. I'm cautiously optimistic about it. But lately, I've been getting worried about it. And I'm going to get right into it. They keep talking about history. And this is the first Women's Royal Rumble match. I understand that. It is. They keep bringing history upon it. But what that does is that it causes expectation. If this match goes bad, the first thing people are going to say was, well, you remember how the first Women's Royal Rumble match went? And all of this history... It's being piled onto this match. I just hope they do a great job. I'm hoping, but they've raised the bar on the expectation when it comes to this match. Another reason why I'm worried about this match, and this is a huge reason, is if you know, I've been doing this lately. I've been watching the women's matches on Raw and SmackDown, and I haven't once seen a top rope spot. And what I mean by the top rope spot, it's not a coming off of the top rope. I mean going over the top rope, like a clothesline over the top rope, being thrown over the top rope. And that's the rules of the Royal Rumble. You see different ways of people going over the top, but I have not seen that. They do not do that in women's matches. And I'm worried if whether or not they can get over that top rope. That's a legit concern of mine because if they can't get, if they have troubles getting over that top rope. It's going to be a clunky Royal Rumble, and it's not going to be good. So I, I, if I if I was to give them a tip, and I'm no wrestling aficionado, but it would be a good idea to practice those top rope spots in these matches leading up to the Royal Rumble. However, we doesn't we don't see them in these matches, so. I'm left to wonder how it would go. I'm worried about the execution of the match as well. We have a 30-woman Royal Rumble match. And look, the Royal Rumble matches, if they they are going to treat it just like the men's Royal Rumble matches. The Royal Rumble matches normally go for like an hour or hour and 20 minutes or something like that. And even with the men, the execution of the matches lately have not been great. I look at last year, if I'm not mistaken, you know, I know last year the match was not great. You were just sitting around waiting to see what was going to happen. I was waiting for some big entrances. That was the only thing great about that match last year was Todd Dillinger coming out and the big entrances and Goldberg coming out and Undertaker and all of that good fanfare. Goldberg eliminating Brock Lesnar. That was like the only interesting things that happened in that match. So... We talked about a 30 women Royal Rumble match, and I just don't want it to be clunky and be slow because they don't have any room for for a bad match. This is the first one. You don't have any room to mess up. How that's very unfair, but it's true. Another thing that I'm worried about is the winner of the Royal Rumble match. Now, there's a lot of reports going around that Ronda Rousey may be in this Royal Rumble match. I don't have a problem with that. Ronda Rousey is a big name, but I just don't want WWE to eat the cheese. 
Like, look, I understand that R that Ronda Rousey, it, it would be a phenomenal storyline that, you know, if Ronda Rousey wins, we get all the headlines. She'll be at WrestleMania against Charlotte, and that, that would just be a huge match. Now, from a publicity standpoint, that would be a huge match. You got me there. You got me there. But when you look at the Women's Royal Rumble, it is the first one, I say, keep saying, and you do not do your full-time women that way because Ronda Rousey would basically be the female Brock Lesnar coming in and out part-time at the behest of full-time wrestlers. This Royal Rumble... If Oscar doesn't win this Royal Rumble, I mean, what are we doing here? Just like the, the SmackDown title situation, what are we doing here? If Oscar isn't winning this, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Look, I, I don't mind any of the other women winning. You have some great names, Sasha, Bailey, Absolution. I, I wouldn't mind Paige winning it. But Oscar is the one that needs to be winning it. And for sure, Ronda Rousey does not need to be anywhere near the finish of this Royal Rumble or else I will revolt as a wrestling fan for these full-time women that bust the tails every week in and every week out to get a Royal, to get a WrestleMania title spot. So, that's my thoughts on that. Also, I'm scared about the oversaturation of the of the Royal Rumbles having two in one night. When you're talking about two hour-long Royal Rumbles, could that will that work? Will that hurt the other Rumble? We'll see about that. I just hope it all goes well. I'm cautiously optimistic, optimistic, but I am worried a little bit. So speaking of being worried, and speaking of, speaking of saying, what are we doing here? We're here to talk about the Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns assumed WrestleMania match. Now who knows? Braun Strowman may win at Royal Rumble. Kane, oh my goodness. Kane may win at the Royal Rumble. My goodness. But the assumed match, and the assumed match has been for a year now, is that it will be Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. Brock Lesnar is your Universal Champion, has been for a long time now, goes in as he wants, beats whoever, then he leaves. And it is a very annoying. I've had it up to here. I'm done. I have been done with Brock Lesnar. And it, was, it has just been annoying to me for years. The Roman Reigns right now, he's the Intercontinental Champion. He won it for craps and giggles, for goodness sake. And I'm not saying that the guy isn't a, is a bad Intercontinental Champion. What, what annoys me is that he does not need the Intercontinental Championship. Look, when the Miz went off to do whatever he was going to do, I think he was going off to shoot a movie or whatever, he should have dropped that belt to someone else. And let me explain to, me, let me explain to you why I have a problem with Roman Reigns holding that Intercontinental Championship. The Intercontinental title, at least back when I was a kid, used to be used to elevate mid-quarters into the main event scene. Look, back in the day, at least in the Attitude Era, The Rock and Steve Austin feuded over the Intercontinental title and then feuded over the world title. Triple H and The Rock feuded over the Intercontinental title and then feuded over the world title. It brought them on a natural progression 
into the main event limelight. And that's what should be going on with this Intercontinental title. Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon faded over the Intercontinental title. And that was a time back when, back when the Intercontinental title was at times bigger than the world title. Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon, those matches that they have, classics for where they were in that time. That Intercontinental title, that made that, they made that thing mean something, and it elevated them. Roman Reigns, and, and if you think I'm hating on Roman Reigns here, you're so far off base. What I'm saying is that Roman Reigns doesn't need to be elevated. He's already at the height of his push with him being a face. Now, he could be higher if he ever turned heel, but that's beside the point. It's not going to happen. But he's already at the height of his push. He doesn't need the Intercontinental title as well because that's blocking off the Universal title and the Intercontinental title. And what do these guys have left to fight over? So, looking back at the Universal title, Brock Lesnar, if you just look at this past year, Samoa Joe got white hot. He was the most over wrestler on the roster. I don't know if you guys remember that, but I sure do. Over, choking out Paul Heyman, and he was over like Rover. White hot. Then he gets to the match with Brock Lesnar. And I even made a YouTube video, shameless plug right here, cheap plug, of why Joe should have won the title at that time. But he has an underwhelming match with Brock Lesnar. Great, great balls of fire. One L5, and then Joe's momentum is completely gone. Same thing with Braun Strowman. White hot. Over like Rover. As an underwhelming match with Brock Lesnar, one L5, his momentum is gone. So, we get to the Royal Rumble. And in December, we got to the spot where we were like, well, who's left? For, there's really nobody left for. There's really no one left for Brock Lesnar to defend the universe title against. And the subject of Finn Balor came up. Well, Finn Balor was an incredible challenger because they had wasted him of all of this time. They'd done a horrible job, and they wonder why Finn Balor, what is, why, why they say, well, he's not over. He is over with the fans. There's, that's been ridiculous. But you keep wasting the guy, and that's what you're going to get. You're going to be indifferent about him if you give him nothing to do. So we get to this point to where Joe lost on Raw last week, a huge Intercontinental titles uh, match where he should have won. And where we're at now is that there's nobody left. There's nobody to challenge Roman Reigns for the, for the Intercontinental Championship. And there's nobody left to challenge Brock, challenge Brock Lesnar for the Universal title. Like nobody else makes sense with the title right now because they've run through the entire roster, the entire WWE roster. And looking at, at the Royal Rumble, I hope Braun Strowman does not win the title. I hope that doesn't happen because he's just going to lose it at either the February pay-per-view or at, at WrestleMania. I hope he doesn't win. So there's nothing left. Nobody left. At this point, just go ahead and do your Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns match. I don't care about it. I don't give two squats about it. But at least it's going to go back on a full timer whenever Roman Reigns wins it. Look, there's nobody left because when we get into these matches with Brock, Brock has to win 
to stay strong so that he can lose to Roman Reigns so that Roman Reigns can look strong when he wins. So we've been in this turntable of Roman has a match. Roman has to keep winning to look strong for WrestleMania so that when he beats Brock at WrestleMania, he can look strong as well. So we're in this pattern and I'm just ready for this pattern to be over. Let WrestleMania get here already so Roman can win the title and it be done with. <sighs> so, okay. Last night, I'm watching Impact Wrestling and I saw two really good matches. I'm going to transition here to Impact Wrestling. A couple of matches. Tajay Ishimori versus Trevor Lee for the X Division title. That was a phenomenal opener. I got to say, I was very intrigued. Impact Wrestling, they started their show off with a wrestling match. And, I mean, you just don't see that in this day and age from a lot of companies. The match was phenomenal. Tajay Ishimori picked up the victory. He was your new X Division champion. And I really enjoyed the match. It was a good back and forth. It was a great close. And I would recommend that you go and watch it. It was a good match. Also, the main event, LAX versus OVE for the tag titles. If LAX loses, they depart from Impact Wrestling. I thought that was a phenomenal match as well. We had a phenomenal diamond cutter from the top rope. An intercepting diamond cutter. You'd have, you'd have to watch the match to know exactly what I'm talking about. It was phenomenal. One of the better spots I've seen recently. The match was a great back and forth. LAX picked up the victory. They are your new tag team champions. And it, that was a great match as well. That was a great episode. Well, I don't know if I can say great, but it was a really good episode of Impact. Held my attention, and it was really good. So moving on, we're going to move on to why you should give New Japan Pro Wrestling a chance. I like to call and I'm going to go with this segment being the cold hard truth. Maybe I keep this segment around for future episodes. We'll see. But why you should give New Japan Pro Wrestling a chance? First off, Wrestle Kingdom 12 was just great doesn't even do the thing justice. Great does it an injustice, if you ask me. The pay-per-view was just bananas. And I am here right now today, January 5th, ready to proclaim that that's the pay-per-view of the year. You're not going to top that. It's over. I'm sorry if that, that's a little short-sighted towards other companies, but you just cannot top that pay-per-view. So that's out the way. But a lot of things, so something that I see a lot on Twitter is this brand loyalty stuff. And I'm not talking about wrestlers being loyal to their brand. I'm talking about fans. And certain fans of certain promotions just liking their promotion. And that, you know, that's fine. If you just like a promotion, then, you know, that's fine. That's whatever. But you're missing out. You're missing out on the likes of Okada. You missed out on the likes of Omega, NATO, just a whole slew of fantastic wrestlers. And I mean, what's the, what's the worst thing that could happen if you watch? What? You'll like it. That's the worst thing that could happen because you have no choice but to like this product. Look, imagine if you only liked one promotion in the 90s. Like, imagine I'm a huge WCW fan down to my heart. The way I started watching wrestling was Sting and the Horsemen. 
The horsemen turn on scene. That's what I love WCW. But when WWF would come on, I would watch it. And especially in the Attitude Era, when WCW would come on, you hear that, that thorn in your eye intro. Steve Austin walking around the corner with that explosion. And then, it's my life in the box. Enjoy the beat. Man, I love that intro. So, it was WCW, WWF, and ECW as well. I would have never saw ECW if I was just a WCW fan and just only like that. I would have never saw the greatness of ECW of Paul Heyman. would have never saw it. So, imagine the things that you're missing out on if you only say, I'm going to go stick with my brand and that's it. Now, as it pertains to New Japan Wrestling and the things that I like about it, New Japan Wrestling focuses on the sport of professional wrestling. They have press conferences. They don't deal with the backstage of segments and whatnot. Especially in... I'm watching Wrestle Kingdom 12 and it's just rolling back to back to back the matches. And I like that. When we look at these pay-per-views, we have all these backstage segments. And it takes up a ton of time. There's no need for the backstage segment. You've already sold me on the pay-per-view. So we're here for the matches. And that's how it is in New Japan. We're here for the matches. They just roll you the matches. And I love it. And it is a promotion for everyone. Don't let anybody tell you New Japan Pro Wrestling only appeals to a certain segment of fans. Because, in my opinion, great wrestling appeals to all ages. Kids, men, women, boys, girls, all. Everybody likes a great wrestling match that you can get involved in. And that's for everyone. You're going to get hooked if you watch this promotion. There's no BS booking as well. No booking that you'll say, why did that happen? That doesn't make sense. This is so stupid. What they do in New Japan is they keep it simple. And they let the action be told inside the ring. And I enjoy that. It's something that I really enjoy. I got outside my box and I watched it. And I've been watching it, and it is, has just been enjoyable. You hear about how great these wrestlers are. You hear how great, because I hadn't watched hadn't, hadn't watched or seen of Kenny Omega. The only thing I had heard of was the hype. This was going back months ago. I saw the guy. He's coming down the rampway, and I'm like, oh, yeah, everything they said about this guy is true. He has all the swagger in the world, and he backs it up even more in the ring. I don't know if he has some more personality or better ring work. That's a debate to be had at another day, but he does both of those things really well. So I very much recommend that you just check it out. Just check it out and see what it's all about. So... We've come to this part in the podcast where I'm going to talk about the two sweet flashback Friday moments. And the first moment is the rock concert, the very first one. Check it out. March 24, 2003 in Sacramento. He's talking about Steve Austin. He's giving it to the Sacramento crowd. It is very funny, very hilarious. In fact, I'm going to go back and watch this. As soon as I drop this podcast. But moving on, we have the second Flashback Friday of the day. Flashback Friday moment of the day, excuse me. And that is Sting saving Diamond Dallas Page on the June 9th, 1997 edition of Monday Nitro. This was one of those classic WCW brawls. Everybody used to get on WCW about having these brawls every week. But 
I thought it was a great idea because you accomplished several feuds. You built several several feuds in one segment. Like, for instance, for instance, in this case, Kevin Sullivan came down. He was beating up Chris Benoit. DDP came in the ring and Savage slid in right behind him and started beating him down. And the apex of the segment was the WCW. They panned to this wide angle. And you see the fans erupt, and they look up, and there's Sting coming down from the top. Fans lose it. He beats up the NWO. He straps DDP up to the harness wire, and they shoot up to the top of the ceiling to close the segment. Just banana segment, crazy segment. Go back and watch it. You will be thoroughly entertained by it. So, that's it for this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Episode 1 of the 2 Sweet Wrestling Podcast. I had a whole lot of fun. I'll be back next week. And get this. I've already come up with my subject for next week. With next week's podcast. You've had an opinion on this. Either extremely one way or extremely one way on the other side. And look, I'm here to be the guy that's going to be in the middle. Next week, I'm going to be talking about Roman Reigns. And I'm going to be talking about the Roman Reigns fans, the Roman Reigns haters, and why we could meet in the middle together. And I don't classify myself as either one. I'm kind of like in the middle when it comes to Roman Reigns. But we can meet in the middle And just so long, I believe that if we understood where each other was coming from, why we love Roman Reigns and the reasons why we hate Roman Reigns, we would much better understand each other and stop all of this feuding. I'm going to do some detailed research on Roman Reigns ever since he split from the shield all the way up into now. I'll do as much research as I can, and it will be a nice long segment next week. I hope you come back because it's going to be a really good one. You hate Roman Reigns. You love Roman Reigns. That segment, that podcast is for you. Come and check it out. It will be episode two of the two sweet wrestling podcast, Roman Reigns edition.